When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Navigation system. Please say a command. On. Ignition. Powered. Seatbelts. Fastened. Shift. Drive. Twin City sports fans, hold on tight. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is The Ride with Royce. Well, much as the nation knows Buck uh, Owens for the uh, ridiculous hee-haw comedy, silly comedy show, and uh, think of him as one of the great uh, uh, manure kickers of all time, but uh, also a uh, great voice, a great uh, a great singer and a uh, you know a, a great pioneer of uh, what is called the Bakersfield sound a different kind of country sound comes out of Bakersfield uh, California I was talking to our historian John Height to ask him if there was some big studio in Bakersfield that caused this and there was no just a bunch of guys that came from there uh, Buck Owens came from that area Merle Merrill Haggard came from that area later Dwight Yoakam came from that area, but uh, Dwight Yoakam, big, big admirer of Buck Owens, and he's today's a musical guest, and uh, he's uh, got some, the act naturally, one of his uh, bigger hits. The Beatles actually recorded a version of act naturally, but oh, really? I remember uh, hearing that one, and uh, Ray Charles, of course, uh, recorded Cryin' Time, which is one of Buck's, mm-hmm. Buck's biggest hits, and as good as Buck is on Cryin' Time. Nobody ever sang "Crying Time" like Ray like Charles. Ray Charles, yeah. <laughs> Not sure. Ray Charles is fantastic. But uh, today's musical guest, the great Buck Owens, died in on uh, March 26, two thousand six. He was seventy six years old, and uh, he had a, a gig at a concert hall in a restaurant, which he basically had his name on the Buck Owens Crystal Palace. And he, he went home, and he suffered. He had suffered a stroke. He came back. And uh, he'd suffered other ailments and underwent surgery for cancer in 1993. Hung in there, still performing age 76, and died that uh, night. Uh, he was the co-host of Hee Haw, which was <laughs> immensely popular in the 60s and 70s when we were just a bunch of rubes. You know? <laughs> and it was, uh, it was pretty funny. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it was amazing how popular it was with uh, TARP uh, part of uh, Americana. He uh, took up the guitar and eventually uh, moved into the San Joaquin Valley in California and settled in Bakersfield about 100 miles north of L.A. 1951. He broke into the local music scene as a member of the honky-tonk band called Bill Woods and the Orange Blossom Playboys. 
and he became a regular session player. His first wife, Bonnie, performed with him on occasion, and uh, she later she later married his rival at the forefront. Now, I didn't know this, of California's country seed, Merle Haggard. Really? Merle Haggard married the former uh, Buck Owens. How about that? I got I got a hunch that one probably didn't last forever. <laughs> Learning of Mr. Owens' death on Saturday, Merle Haggard said, this is you know, back in 2006, Buck and I are from the same town. We've been in many battles together, always on the same side. Over the last few years, we've become closer than we ever realized. He even flew up to Portland to see me when I opened for Dylan last year. We were outlaws together. So uh, the great Buck Owens is uh, today's musical guest. Uh, so today, earlier today, I uh, decided that I wanted to do a... When I noted that uh, the NCAA.com sent out a list of eight great volleyball players to watch for this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the couple of days ago. And Samantha Seliger Swenson, the great setter of the Gophers, entering her senior year, was on that list. I guess she'd been on the list again last you year. You guys call her Triple S, right? I call her Triple S, although she's not a big fan of that. Oh, so, really? But okay. today I said on Twitter, Samantha Seliger Swenson, comma, senior setter, comma, she's a quintuple s now she's uh you know uh, she's got five s's now oh really yeah, senior setter uh, oh yeah but, yeah yeah but yeah. i went over and saw her today at the field house she's one of the player coaches of the uh, hugh mccutcheon is having his uh his camps for mm-hmm. about a month in the summer you get team camps you get the high you get the recruit camp then you get the team camp then you get the kids camp and the kids were in there and i went over and uh and and talk to her and it's amazing when you watch kids mature i'm not sure how they you know mature with their friends mature with their communication but i talked to her as a freshman and very i mean nothing but clichés and <laughs> and all all due credit to teammates which she still does but all due credit to teammates but to sit down with a, a a college kid, even a even a big time recruit like her, as a freshman, they they are if you're not one of the mainstream sports where you get a lot of media, you know. Yeah. She's she was you could tell she was nervous, you know. That that okay is what's this guy going to ask me and what is he going to what right. is he going to end up writing and stuff. Well, today she came over and sat down and we shot the breeze and you could tease her a little bit and stuff. It's it's a it's amazing the maturity that a kid has in four years of college if they yeah. stay around college, and which makes me, I was thinking about, I'm not a big believer in, okay, NBA players should go to college, you know, that they should go right in, but it is, it, it makes you understand the maturing process that, you know, these kids are not getting a chance to mature right. as, as sophisticated guys you know they're still 18 year old kids and all of a sudden we're throwing yeah. all the media at them and everything and we're and expecting s- them yes, to be yeah and, yeah and you know I, I remember interviewing her the first time when she was a freshman and saying boy that was hard work you know and today <laughs> she was fine she waved from across the place and came and sat down and we talked for 20 minutes and she was joking and and uh it's it, it and it it's kind of tells you what these okay these kids uh they're getting millions of dollars and we expect them to be completely well behaved and the whole thing 
Yeah, but they're not mature yet. You right. know, you can't really judge. It, it that's, is, that's what's amazing about LeBron. Right. I see. I was you just know? I was just getting ready to because, say that. You know, remember we ripped Blon, LeBron because when he was about 19 or 20, he tried to get rid of that tape of the guy dunking on him and yeah. stuff. And we, oh, look at that. Yeah. You know, he's but I mean, 19 even years if, old. Even if you, like, go back and look at old interview tapes of LeBron, like in his rookie year or his second year, he, it's completely different. Mm-hmm. Like just the way he talks, the way he sort of handles himself. It's it's mm-hmm. it's night and day compared yeah. to how he is now. Yeah, and we uh, we really uh, we really expect more out of these people than we expect out of anybody else. Right. You know, I mean, I go talk to an eighteen-year-old volleyball player, and she's she's kind of nervous, and I say, "Oh, yeah, she's nervous." But eighteen-year-old, what's wrong with him? And as somebody who has interviewed my fair share of high school athletes, I can understand. Like, you you gotta, it's one of those things where you gotta realize that they are still kids. Yes. They're kids. Yes. And, uh, you know, they're still worried about what all their friends are gonna think. You know, what, Mm -hmm. you know, if I I say the wrong thing that makes me sound, but, but anyway, she's a great kid and great, great player. And I talked to her. She's had a chance to serve, to set for Dolly Santana. Mm-hmm. There's a fantastic kid from um, Puerto Rico, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the two tap twins. Yep. Uh, the player of the year, Sarah Willite. Yep. The, uh, you know, Molly Loman was an extremely good player. And now she's got, and she's got uh, the hitter, the, the, the kid, the young kid who's going to be a junior, what, what I, I mentioned. Uh, she's great. She's going to be great. Name's escaping me. And then she got the big, the big kid from last year, so some 80, the big senior, and mm-hmm. now they got some other kids. I mean, she's been great. She's had incredible number of assists and everything, but as she said, I've been serving, I've been... Uh, She's in good company. I've been throwing passes to some great players who can put the <laughs> ball away. So uh, anyway, it's uh, it was fun to go over there and talk to her, and it, it's fun to uh, to see a kid three years. You know, I've talked to her since then, when, but to see a kid three years later to just be relaxed and you know a senior and ready for it. And, You've seen her grow up as a college yes, athlete. As a, yes, yes, it's uh, fantastic. And volleyball, best sport on campus, by the way, and they're going to have another great team this year. And the uh, Final Four is at Target at uh, Target Center. Oh boy, if they Target get to the Center. Final Four, would that be nice? <laughs> right, December thirteenth, fifteenth. All right, we'll be back. And so ends a match beyond all our expectations. Anderson against Isner, a Wimbledon classic. You'd better believe it. Before we, before we talk about Eisner and uh, Kevin Anderson, Alexis Hart. Alexis Hart, that's right. And I would like to make a vow right now that the first time I see Alexis Hart have a good match, she's going to be sports person of the day. We owe that to her for forgetting I her name. I can dig that. She's one of my favorites. Now I didn't. I don't think I talked to her last year. I talked to her as a freshman, and she was very quiet and mm-hmm. reticent. It'll be interesting to talk to her again and see two years later if she's saying, "Hey, how you doing, big man?" And I and I wonder if she does become sports person of the day at some point. If that'll even make her even more 
you know, outgoing. More, yes, outgoing more confident and open. Yes. than outgoing. It'll be fantastic. Yeah. Well, he did it again. I think you and I uh, <laughs> were both of the opinion that once again, John Eisner was going to play a match that never ended. Uh, Kevin Anderson uh, took 99 games and three tiebreakers over five sets. Match took over six hours. But Kevin Anderson, a unheralded South African who's about 6'8", mm-hmm. defeated John Eisner, uh, uh, the American, 7-6. Of course, we needed a tiebreaker to settle that one. 6-7. Yeah. 6-7. So, in other words, the first three sets all had tiebreakers. <laughs> Nobody could break anybody, right? <laughs> and then 6-4, uh, Anderson had to win the fourth set to force the uh, fifth set. And, of course, in Grand Slam tennis, you got to win by two, and they don't have tiebreakers. 26-24, six hours, 36 minutes. The fifth set alone lasted three hours as the semifinal (laughs) became a test of endurance. Anderson, the number eight seed, finally earned the must-have go-ahead service break with the help of a point in which the right-hander tumbled to his backside, scrambled back to his feet, and hit his shot lefty. That was the difference right there. That's where Isner missed his opportunity. Anderson had break points at 7-7, 10-10, and 17-17, but never <laughs> got it until he finally got it. Yeah. So uh, the American is out, and uh, Kevin Anderson, I think he's, he's he was seated, right? But he's 11th, uh, seated 12th, eighth. Eighth seed, okay. Yep. So he Isner was, was uh, seated ninth. He was yep. ahead of Isner, okay. Yep. But... Uh, it's uh, of course uh, Isner was had the famous match in 2010 where he beat Nicholas Mahout 70 to 68. And, and Pat, set. I'm I'm watching this fifth set, and by the time it got to 21, yeah, you were saying all, nobody's like, ever going to win it. Yeah, nobody. No, well, because nobody could nobody could break the other guy, right. and because you I'm, can't look, move anymore. Because you can't move, and you and got they two, hit it 130. Yeah, I mean that. Anderson is serving at 120 some miles an hour, and and Isner is serving at 120 miles an hour, and both of these guys are tall guys. Isner's six ten, I think Anderson's like six eight or six yeah six eight, and you get to the end of this fifth set, and Isner's just bent over and he's just sucking wind and he's just he's out of it. It's like. Come on, it's just, just this is not good tennis. It's well, good. we now have uh, Djokovic and New Nadal playing, and uh, and it's it's two sets apiece, and uh, Djokovic is trying to break Nadal with a four three lead. Djokovic looks like he was in a uh, refugee camp or something. Damn, is he skinny? Did he did, did he, he have didn't he have some injuries? Or yeah, something oh, he like had last an incredible year? number of injuries. Yeah, yes. and Nadal had him too and came back. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, Djokovic is, at, at his best, I think Djokovic was better than either of them. Yeah. Federer and Nadal, which is saying something. Right. Because as much as we talk about the downturn in tennis, and certainly because we don't have great players anymore, mm-hmm. I wonder if tennis ever had three that good in their, in their prime as Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic. Now, Federer is a little old, but must be what? Six years older than Djokovic or something. Nadal's yeah. in the middle there. Yeah, Nadal's but, like thirty-two. But these, I think. these three guys at their best was—I mean, Nadal, the old old-fashioned game where he could return anything and yeah. uh, and was just relentless. And Federer, of course, thirty-seven years old and still banging at it. I you know, we had McEnroe and and Borg, but Con- Connors by then was 
little bit over the hill. I mean, mm-hmm. we had Connors and Borg, and and we we had we had players, but and he had three, Sampras and, Ag- three, and Agassi, but yeah, then Agassi kind of fell off. Three and, men's players this good, poof, yeah. and they've been fantastic. And it's uh, it's uh, this will be a, this match. Will, they're playing at night here at Wimbledon. It'll be after midnight when this baby gets over. Although these guys actually play some tennis. You know, I've yeah. been watching him. I mean, there there's returns and stuff. It's not just well, that's, boom. It's that not that just was the thing. Yeah. And, the Isner Anderson match. I'm watching. It's just ace, 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 and then you know one serve and one volley, and then you know the you know the end the end of that of that point. Federer and Nadal. I mean, they're putting on a clinic right now. They're yeah. just going back and forth, and there's volleys left and right, and it's it's great. Yeah. Well, that's uh, it's nice to see a little Djokovic bit of that. and Nadal. I said Djokovic. Federer, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. Djokovic is. Uh, Djokovic, yeah, he was out for damn near two years, I think. I don't know what he. Mm-hmm. He looks like he, looks like he was had uh, malnourished ringworm or something. <laughs> Jesus, tape Djokovic worm. looks malnourished. <laughs> tape, tapeworm. He looks like he has a tapeworm, man. Unbelievable. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going on right now. If you want to see some uh, great tennis, Nadal and Djokovic, and uh, they will. The winner will be uh, play Kevin Anderson. I don't think the trumpeter showed up though. There was no. I didn't see nobody anything. made a big deal because he'd said on Twitter uh, earlier in the week that he'd go watch if if Isner won, he'd go watch him, and uh, he, he didn't show up. So and Isner, of course, believe, invited him. Basically, hard to believe yeah. that the trumpeter might have lied. I think yeah. he might have lied. Every, maybe, there's a first time for everything. There's or a maybe, first maybe, time. maybe maybe he got mad and decided not to when. Serena was basically like, nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, Serena okay. plays tomorrow, but uh, yeah. maybe he's afraid they'd fly, fly the blimp over Wimbledon, the the uh, baby blimp. I uh, I do believe that uh, that thing should make a tour of the United States. I think that could draw some crowds. Yeah, yeah, I think just that's just me. But <laughs> but I I go to watch the baby blimp. I go to watch it. I'd have, I'd, I'd go to watch it. I think I don't know where the Republican convention is. But they got to get a permit to fly the baby blimp. I got a hunch that they probably won't give that though. We don't know yet. We won't know in 2020. But you got to save the baby blimp for 2020. That's yeah. for sure. Got to hold on to it until yes, then. Yes, that's right. And then break it out all out of nowhere. That'll Let be, it loose. That'll be fantastic. All righty. Hey, uh, we are going to talk the the early sensation of the Canadian Football League, yes. Chris Streveler. And not as a tight end that we tried to turn him into and as got, a quarterback. And I got some sound for that when we have our guy on at 440. You're going uh, to like the sound. We're going to talk to Brian Munns from Winnipeg. Uh, he's one of their hockey guys. He's also a sports talk show up there. And uh, and we had him on after the Humboldt tragedy because he was from there and also to talk about the Jets. And we can talk to him about the Jets giving all that money to the uh, goalie too. But uh, we want to see what – and you know who one of his favorite targets is? Drew Wolitarski. Mm-hmm. That's you know, I got I can't blame this one on uh, Philip Fleck. <laughs> where the uh, the previous administration basically told him he wasn't a quarterback. Yep, because he had Mitch. I think uh, they might have won a couple more games if they had Streveler last year might as have. quarterback. Yeah. All right, we'll be back. We had to get to the punchline there before we get to John Height's news. John Height uh, did uh, uh, he haw change the reality of who Buck Owens was as well, a uh, recording artist? It did, but I'll tell you what uh, 
he kind of at that point decided to take it easy because mm-hmm. before that he'd had all these hits, yeah. and his running buddy was a guy named Don Rich. Oh, oh yeah, I saw a lot of duets with Don Rich. Don yeah. Rich was his guitar player and the leader of the Buckaroos, yes. the, the band yeah, leader. Yes. Uh, and Don got killed, unfortunately, in a motorcycle oh, accident. Oh, okay. Wonderful guitar player. Got killed, and, and apparently it, uh, Buck took it hard. Buck took it hard. Oh, and uh, okay. he uh, thought, you know what? I'm just I'm not going to make records. I'm going to go host a, a We well, owned a club out in L.A. Mm-hmm. or something, huh? the Crystal yep. Palace. But, uh, yeah, because you listen to the old songs, and it's not the Buck we saw on Hee Haw. Just, yeah. Know. Doing almost clowny stuff. So. Exactly. He uh, he decided at that point to. to uh, some people say he kind of threw his cards in, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of people, uh, depending on who you listen to, say when Dwight Yoakam quote rediscovered him, he yeah. kind of brought him up and said, "Listen, yeah. Buck, that's here's who you are. Okay, do this again." Oh, okay. And started. Beautiful. So that's kind of the you know the way. Uh, well, you can tell Yoakam loves him. So. Oh yeah, most right. most definitely. Here is Johnny Height with a sports update, and I bet he's got a Twins lineup by now. I do, as a matter okay, of fact. Good, I'm anxious. <laughs> it's, it's I think my guy Willie Estadio might have got himself uh, back on the bench after his zero for four last night. You're you're correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you about that in just a minute. The update sponsored by Concordia University. Get on track to a successful business career with Concordia University St. Paul. Learn online or on campus. Learn more about their business degrees at online.csp. Twins raise again tonight from Target Field. Former uh, Ray Jake Odorizzi starts against his former team. Nathan Evaldi pitches for the Rays. The Twins lineup to face Evaldi goes Joe Maurer at first base, Eddie Rosario hitting second in left field, Brian Dozier hitting third at second base, Eduardo Escobar at third base hitting cleanup, Jorge Polanco at shortstop hits fifth, Max Kepler. Will hit sixth and play right field. Robbie Grossman hits seventh and DHs. Jake Cave is in center field. All right. Mitch Garver catches and hits ninth. You know, it's a better looking lineup with Polanco in it, isn't it? It is. Even I mean, he's not a five hitter, but to have him in there somewhere is a, is an improvement. Yes, I would agree. St. Paul Saints are on the road. Uh, I use this story today only because I love the name of the Kansas City team they're playing. Yes. The, Kansas City T-Bones. An old friend of mine owns that team. They got really? that ballpark down there. Yeah, I, I think he still owns it. Yeah. Do they, uh, I guess we have the same situation here, so it might be a dumb question. Do they draw well since they're in a major league town? Yeah, yeah I think they're across the, uh, they're, they're right out, I think they're right out next to the soccer stadium in that complex, but I might, I might it, over in uh, Kansas City, Kansas, I okay. think. Hmm. I'm not sure. They, I don't know how they do, but uh, they've, been, they've had that stadium for seven, eight years. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Saints have a game lead in the North Division of the American Association. Uh, Lynx in action tonight. They're at home. They'll play the Las Vegas Aces at the Target We're Center. We're still only about fourth in the division here, I saw. there's uh, Yeah, well, fourth overall in the standings. That, But yeah. the good news is that I think they're only like two and a half behind mm-hmm. Seattle for the top seed. So, But the West, do they play? They they play one through eight, right? They don't play. Uh, they don't. West. It, you're talking about for the yeah, for the playoffs? the playoffs. They just they just take the whole league and they just take see the them one through eight and take okay. them one through eight. If there's so seven the conference Western conferences, no right? If there's well, seven teams in the Western Conference that are sitting in mm-hmm. in the top eight, then that's who it is. Mm-hmm. I think there's only six in each division, though, so they're okay. I yeah. think it's a twelve well, yeah. team league. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The wild Joe, Joe would have a hard time figuring that out, but I, I, I <laughs> expect the more out of you, man. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, Wild are looking for a new coach for their minor league affiliate after Derek Lalonde was hired Thursday by the Lightning to be an assistant mm-hmm. coach. Lalonde was head coach of Iowa in the American Hockey League for the past two seasons, guided the team to a 69-58-17-8 record at the time. 
Uh, he became the first coach in Iowa history to secure a winning season after the team went 36-31-7-2 and two in 2016 How about the Don? He needs a job. The Don. How about the Don? Or... Rob Stauber, because he was supposed to be the coach yeah. of the Whitecaps, but he didn't take the job. Didn't he could go down it. and have the Iowa job. Hmm. The Wild say internal and external candidates will be considered oh, okay. in the job. Uh, you know, one of these times I would like to have a team announce, we're going to take whoever we can get. Yeah, doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't care where we national get National search, and then they name a guy 12 hours we're later. We're going to take whoever's available. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another baseball note, Chase Utley going to hold a news conference in about 40 minutes. I expected to announce that he'll retire at the end of this season. Utley plans to play out the rest of the season, won't come back in 2019. Utley's a six-time All-Star over 16 Major League seasons. He achieved the bulk of his success with the Phillies, of course, making five All-Star teams and winning four Silver Slugger Awards between 2006 and 2010. 276 career hitter with two, uh, 259 career Major League home runs. Until that knee deteriorated, John, he was on his way to being a Hall of Fame second baseman. He was a yeah. very good ball You put up player. big numbers at second base, so you're a Hall of Famer. Because mm-hmm. he was good at playing the position. That uh, 2008 Phillies team, I didn't realize this until uh, I saw the stories today. Uh, a lot of those guys now this year are retiring, including Jason Worth, who just retired, and Shane Victorino, who apparently was still playing some form of minor league ball. Oh, really? But they both announced that, that they're no. done. So uh, Utley's announcement comes 10 days before the Dodgers make their only appearance in Philadelphia this season. The teams will play a three-game series at Citizens Bank Park July 23rd to the 25th. And one other baseball note, Corey Kluber. He will not pitch in the All-Star game. Uh, he needs an injection in his right knee. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Indians say they're hoping it'll allow the right-hander to continue leading the rotation after the break. He got the shot in his knee today, one day after he gave up two runs in the eighth inning, was beaten by the Yankees. The American League Central leading Indian said the right-hander will need at least a week to recover, not expected to make another start until July 23rd. Uh, this he's means, had, of course... I think he's got knocked around two of his last three, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Although his numbers are still fantastic, he, he pitched okay last night. Too. I think yeah. I heard last yeah. night he's got 16 walks this season, and and he's got 130 strikeouts. Or so. Wow! Yeah. Uh, what all this means, though, I, you know, everybody's very concerned about Blake Snell. Well, yeah, Blake Snell's he's been he's been named now. You know what else All-Star it means? Hmm. If he ain't gonna, if he's not gonna be healthy, it's too late to give up for the second place team. If they don't have, if Cleveland doesn't have Kluber and no bullpen, five hundred could win the division. Did you, uh, did you guys watch the game last night? All the Twins. I did mm-hmm. watch most. Did Blake Snell look like he hadn't slept in about a month? Ah, uh, yeah. I guess he maybe he started warming up three hours before oh. the game. Man, he's got a good changeup. Yeah, he yeah, does. He does. His motion on that changeup is and a good slide ball. Yeah, a good slide ball. Yeah. He even did the impossible and struck out Williams Astadio, who never strikes out. Never strikes out. So Or walks. Yeah. yeah I don't know. They must have just said the hell with it and we're gonna they're gonna we're just gonna let him get some rest here or something. Because yeah. he there's no he didn't have to come out of the game. Yeah. Right. So but they, I like him a lot. He's, even though the twins beat him. All right, we'll be back. <laughs> How are we doing here in the tennis? It is uh, 6-6 and a tiebreaker in the third set. I'd say this is decision time uh, right here. Uh, that's for sure. And, uh, boy, this uh, Papa John's thing has uh, gone crazy. 
the uh, Louisville president uh, announced Friday that the school will strip Papa John's name from its football stadium, naming it Cardinal, renaming it Cardinal Stadium. Well, that doesn't pay the bills. Uh, John Schnatter, the uh, pizza chain founder, admitted earlier this week that he used the N-word during an annual con- uh, during an internal conference call. Uh, well, the Twins also announced today they're going to stop serving Papa John's. So uh, uh, that's that's uh, that's uh, so they're so they're not going to they're not going to do Papa John's anymore. Not either. at the uh, ballpark. And uh, remember, he was the guy that got a lot of pub. Because of uh, the, uh, he was blaming a reduction in sales on the, the NFL whole, protests. Of the so, national uh, anthem thing, yeah. This makes us all uh, question uh, what the heck uh, he's uh, he's up to. That's for sure. So the fighting twinks, what do you think? Kluber's having you. They better better wait and see how Kluber comes out of this before you start trading, huh? Yeah, they're only a, only a few games under five. How far are they back of the Indians here in the standings? Seven and a half. Seven and a half. I yeah, it's it's unlikely. That, it's unlikely, uh, but you know, it's unlikely that uh, 80, 84 is going to uh, 80, 82, 83 is going to win it. Uh, I got in trouble last night on Twitter by saying the Gibby's, uh, you know, Gibby's get, had to impress the scouts here. That, uh, you know, and, and I seriously mean it. I'm not saying trade Gibby. I'm saying if you want to trade something that's valuable, it's going to get it's you him. something in return, it's probably him. And and you got to decide, am I going to give him a three-year contract at the end of this season right? or not? I mean, you don't have to. You can play out the thing again, but then you're in this. There's a very good chance this is the most value he'll ever have. So you either yeah. got to decide, okay, he's 30. He's, I'm going to sign him three years at the end of the year. I want him to be in my rotation through 2021. But if you're going to say, well, we can wait till next year to trade him. You, you, you know, you got to trade a guy as a lot as uh, Oakland proved uh, time and again. And some other teams, you got to trade them early rather than late. Right. Well, and I think I think the question with Gibby too is, is this is this him? Like, has he yes. finally got it got it together? He's striking or is this, people out. Yeah, that's but true. it's slider and curveball. I mean, yeah. it's it's just uh, about a, everything he was striking people I mean, out last he, night he was, was he, on the breaking ball. And yeah. his changeup, he has added a changeup. Yeah, he never had a changeup. Uh, Neil Allen is the guy that worked with him very hard to get a changeup, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and and it wasn't great for a, a couple of years, but he's got a good changeup now, and he mixes that with the slider. And with the slider, he used to be sinker slider. Yeah. Never threw a high fastball. Never threw a curveball. And when that sinker didn't and sink, never, he was in trouble. Didn't, didn't throw a changeup. So two things could happen: you could the sink wasn't sinking, or you got an umpire who didn't call a low strike. Yeah, if you're a, if you're a strictly a sinker ball pitcher, you need three inches below the knees, right? Yeah. If a guy like the guy last night, he called the high strike, not the low strike, mm-hmm. and you know you you sometimes get that umpire who's not going to bend over to see if that that ball down there is a strike or not. But uh, he he did go through the Tommy. You know, he got waylaid with the Tommy John when he was ready to arrive. He could have arrived earlier. He's a uh, different kind of personality. He's He's and and there's a lot of guys like this. Uh, had a hard time 
saying I I'm bad, I you know pitch bad and say boy I was terrible. Yeah, and a lot of athletes don't want to in, introduce that doubt to themselves, right? Right. Tiger, I always said Tiger was, you know, Tiger could shoot seventy eight and say, you know, I really hit the ball well. I just slipped out a bunch of putts and got a couple of bad breaks. Now he's a different animal than than uh, Kyle Gibson is, obviously, but. He has been, I mean, last year they sent him to Rochester. Yeah. And since the last two months, he was really good. And now he's, he's you know, his record, he's had no, no luck trying support. to get wins. But he, he was really good last night. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, how old is he now, 30? 30. He's 30. You know, maybe. Maybe. Give him a three-year yeah, deal, Yeah, I think maybe. you got two choices. Well, I mean, the other thing is, you always say, ah, they should trade him. He's at max value. I say that. But you don't, what you think they might, nobody might give you what it's right. worth. You know, 80% of all these trades that people demand are not made because nobody gives you, you know, what you have right. and what fans, what Judd and all the other fans have in their minds is the reward you're going to get for doing this. And And it might be possible too, just with the way teams are operating now that, you may not, you know, if he continues to pitch really well for yeah. the rest of the year, you you might not have to break the bank yeah. to keep him. You know, just because well, he, nobody, I mean, you're, nobody you're, is he'll, he'll be able pitchers. to take it arbitration. You know, right? And so that'll drive it up. But mm-hmm. if you want to give him, you want to give him three years, thirty next winter, then do it. Yeah. Otherwise, trade him now if you can get anything. Dozier is, uh, as I, I kept saying about Dozier, everybody said, oh, i got to trade Dozier. Okay, you're not going to get what you think you're going to get. Unless somebody, Boston or somebody gets desperate, but Boston wins every game they play. I don't think they're too desperate right now. So right. Anyway. All righty, we uh, shall return. This is a ride with Ricey. Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, this day in history. Patrick? Wait a minute, young lady. What's this about singles tables? I don't sit at singles tables. Singles tables are for losers. The Yankees have won 33 pennants and 22 world championships. We're winners. We don't sit with losers. And I've got an idea. You're going to go to the party with me. You dance, don't you? Lose a little weight. Get yourself in shape. And then when they throw the bridal bouquet, you'll maybe get it. <laughs> no, mister. Well, I know. You're the cause of all this, Costanza. It's your wedding, so either she goes with me or you're out of here. Yesterday's newspaper. <laughs> of course she's going to go with you, Mr. Steinbrenner. Well, that's fine. I don't like to put undue pressure on people. George Steinbrenner died today on July 13th, 2010. Uh, certainly the greatest, uh, one of the most comical things ever was to cover games in Yankee Stadium back then. I, I covered quite a few. Regular season, especially playoffs, World Series, the newspapers were out in full force. And there'd always be, the like the Post would have three guys there. Two of them would go downstairs in the locker room after the clubhouses after the game. One of them would stay and see if George was mad about anything. And George would come out of his little executive suite, which was very informal, and you could see him in there. 
and they'd all see if George see if they could get George upset. And if the Mets had been on the back page for two or three days in a row, George would figure out something to go crazy about and get everybody all worked up about. Uh, he was uh, he had to be the worst guy in the history of mankind to work for. I had a bunch of buddies who were his PR guys that was just living hell. Mm. But, uh, you know, it's, he was interesting, that's for sure. And they got and, results. They did hey, win. Hey, the Yankees were terrible. When he, when he bought them, the Yankees had been owned by CBS, and they were terrible. He came in and got them back, uh, turned them into the Yankees again. We all hate them now. So uh, <laughs> George Steimer died uh, on June 13th, uh, 2010.